Proverbs chapter 27. Stand with me. Let's read a verse. Proverbs chapter 27. <laughs> hey, God's people ought to laugh. Amen. Oh, my goodness. This world's a mess. We get that. But the peace we have in Christ. Thank you for the special right before the message. I have a message I preach on the sin of unthankfulness. You should do a study on unthankfulness. How many other sins happen because of unthankfulness? Start with us being unthankful, ungrateful for what God's done for us. And what a great message in that song. I love that song. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17. Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. Father, please, in these next few minutes, would you use my mouth, my mind, would you help me to clear it of self? Lord, would you help me just to preach what you want me to preach, please? I can only help these people and help your people. And your word can do that. I know the spirit can do that. Please don't let me get in the way of that. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Um, I would hope that you in this room have it... Well, I was going to say friends, but maybe just a friend. Hopefully you have a friend. Hopefully you have friends. Friends are a necessary thing, wonderful thing. Um, good friends, best friends. But the questions that we're going to talk about tonight for just a few minutes are this. What kind of friends do you have and what kind of friend are you? See, the Bible gives us clear direction and distinction between two friends, kinds of friends. I would say in the years that I've been able to be in the ministry, uh, working especially in the years that I did with young people, the two main things that pulled young people away from the Lord started mainly with friends. They got around the wrong crowd. They got hanging out with the wrong boy or the wrong girl. They got influenced by the wrong group. And that friendship pulled them away from what God wanted them to be and wanted them to do. We won't go into this, and we want to definitely be sensitive to the younger crowd that's in here, but the Bible warns us in 2 Samuel chapter 13, and you know the story that the Bible makes this statement, Amnon had a friend. And, and, and the friendship that he developed with Jonadab took him down a path, listen to me, that cost him his life. So after he had this friend that he wanted to do something that he knew he shouldn't do, and he didn't even know. Here's the crazy thing about it. When you read the passage, the Bible tells us he didn't know how to do what he wanted to do. But he had a friend that did. And Jonadab come to him and said, I know how to do this for you. I know how to make this happen for you. Lays out the plan on how to do it. So Amnon, listening to his friend, does what his friend says. And the next thing you know, he's a liar. He's committed a heinous act. He, he, he's to the point now that, 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 that he, he's, he's hated by his own family and ultimately is killed by Absalom. Let me say this as clearly as I can tonight and warn you about this. Your friends matter. Right. Now let me, let, me, let me clear something up very quickly. I'm friendly to everybody. 
I, I joke about this. My wife and I, I had to go to Wisconsin and preach a funeral for one of our church members. His, his mother had passed away and they asked me to come up. And, and the, the background of his family had been Catholicism. And, and he said, Pastor, he said, look now, he said, the priest is going to be involved. He wants to do something, but I, I need you to come up. I've told him I, got, I, I want my pastor to at least be able to speak 10 or 15 minutes. And so I want you to at least come present the gospel. This may be the only time any of these people ever hear the gospel. So I said, fine, great. Went up, preached the funeral, and, 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 and shared the gospel. And on our way back, we stopped in Chicago. Chad was a little guy at the time, and we stopped in Chicago. And we thought, we'll spend the night. We'll just spend some time up there with him and uh, enjoy the day. And that's what we did. And I, I don't know why anybody would go to Chicago. I don't understand it personally. Uh, but we did. We spent the day. Well, <laughs> my wife is getting after me because every time I pass somebody, I say, how you doing? Hello. She's like, stop it. I said, what? Stop it. Why? I'm just being friendly. You're going to get us killed. I said, I'm just being friendly. How do I get killed for being friendly? But man, nobody said hi to me. Nobody, you, know, you were the weirdo when you said hello. I'm friendly. I try to be friendly to everybody. But let me help you something tonight. I don't have very many really good friends. Please listen. And the friends I have are all at my church. I don't have friends that aren't in church. Now that sounds weird to some people, but that's true. And it's not that I've just decided I don't want anybody else out there to like me. The problem is when you try to follow Jesus Christ, some people say, Brother Glenn, are you telling me we have to separate, we have to separate? I always say this. If you concern yourself with sanctification, separation just happens naturally. If you just decide, I'm going to follow Jesus Christ and love the Lord and love the things of the Lord, and I'm going to go that direction, you know what will happen? The people that don't want to do that, they don't want to be around you anymore. Right. It, it starts a natural separation. My friends are all at church. My friends are all at church. Because we're talking about the same things. We like the same things. We want to do the same things. We want to please the same Lord. And so your friends matter. Here in our text, he says this, iron sharpeneth Iron. I want to give you two or three passages and then I'm going to come back and I really want to preach one, really one simple, simple point to you. Chapter 27, look at verse 9. Ointment and perfume rejoice the heart. So doth the sweetness of a man's friend by hearty counsel. Ointment and perfume rejoice the heart. Can I tell you something? Nobody likes to be around somebody that stinks. Now y'all can say amen to that. Y'all, come on. <laughs> I didn't have to put new deodorant on after I sweat as much as I did this morning. But some of y'all have been like, hey, whoa, whoa. You know what I appreciate? I appreciate deodorant. I appreciate perfumes. People put on. Hey, just like that, that's what a good friend is like. That sweet smell. They make you better. Chapter 13. Go over chapter 13 for just a minute. Let's read a few scriptures. We'll get here to preach a point. Chapter 13, verse 20. Chapter 13, verse 20. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Good friends make you wiser, make you sharper, make you more useful. But the reverse is also true. The wrong kind of friends corrupt you and make you dull and unuseful to the Lord. So, so you better make your decision. Let me give you a couple other verses. I, man, this is going to be hard to stay on 25 minutes. Can I just throw that out? I'm sorry I lied to you girls, but... Ecclesiastes chapter 4. 
I'm going to do it. Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Verse 9. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9. Two are better than one because they have a good reward of their labor. Listen, let me say this. Two are better than one. You need good friends. You share success of labor together. Verse 10. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. Friends help each other when they fall. Now I want you to listen very carefully to this. They don't they don't help you fall. They help you up when you fall. Amen. Okay, we'll talk about that in just a minute, a little bit more. Look at verse 12. And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. Friends, defend each other against mutual enemies. Go back to Proverbs chapter 27. So we need the right kind of friends. We need good friends. I love this verse, chapter 27, verse uh, 10. Chapter 27, verse 10. Thine own friend and thy father's friend forsake not, neither go into thy brother's house in the day of calamity, for better is a neighbor that is near than a brother afar off. Now watch the first part of that. Thy own friend and thy father's friend forsake not. If your father had a good friend, a wise friend, it would be wise for you to keep him as your friend. Amen. All right. So he says this in chapter... 27 verse 17, he says, iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth what of his friend? The countenance of his friend. Now, countenance can be defined by several things. It's a person's face or appearance. It's an expression of feeling toward another person. It's a spirit, demeanor, behavior, or conduct of a man. And I simply would say to you tonight that the spirit, the demeanor, the behavior, the conduct of a man is his character. Your friends, now please, this is important. Your friends can only sharpen the character you already have in you. They can sharpen your character, but it's what's in you that they can pull out. Listen, I, 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 I preach this to our young people at our church. I preach it to our young adults in our church. But if you want to sin, let me tell you what you're going to do. You're going to find friends that will help you sin. I, I, don't know, I don't know most of these guys. I know them, but I don't know them. Kind of know this one. But if there's guys in this group that want to do the wrong thing, I guarantee you they're going to find the other guys that want to do the wrong thing. But if there's some guys that want to do the right thing, you're going to find the guys that want to do the right thing. And you're going to sharpen one another. You're going you're gonna to sharpen that character. They say, hey, I'll tell you what. I want to go do something for the Lord. I want to go on and do more than I've done. I want to please the Savior. But if you want to do what the world says is fun, you want to go out and do what the world says that you should do, you will find the kind of friends that will help you do that. You will choose the friends. You, listen, you don't know me. But all you would have to do for me is if you had somebody say, hey, I want you to give me the list of Brother Augers." Best four, five, six friends. Give me their names. You call them. You don't know me. You call them and you talk to them. You would know me after you talk to my friends. Because my friends are going to tell you who I am. 
My friends are going to tell you what I like to do. My friends are going to tell you when we get together what we talk about. My friends are going to say when we get together what we watch on TV or what we go and do in our downtime. Our friends are going to reveal to us who we are and it will reveal whether we are sharpening ourselves or we're becoming more than what God, uh, uh, more of what God wants us to be or if we've got the wrong kind of friends that are taking us down the wrong path. Now, um, let me, let me say this and I want to, I want to be kind because I know personalities are different and everything like that. But I do want to say this, be careful about this idea. Well, I'm just a loner. I'm just a loner. Well, that's not the way God created us to be. Loners don't sharpen anybody else. And, and so you're, you're not, you're not investing in anyone. You're not putting into anybody's life. You're not helping anyone walk closer to the Lord. So question you just a little bit tonight. What, what, who are you a friend to? And who are you sharpening to become more like Christ? So here's the message right here. Ready? To be sharpened, you must come in contact with a stronger metal than you. We don't preach on this much anymore. We need to probably more. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 3 that my wife is the weaker vessel. If my wife's job and her sole role is to sharpen me, it's going to completely wear her out. Okay, fellas, look at me. If we're going to get mad, we'll do it now. i got five minutes. I'm out of here, all right? <laughs> There's a problem when our wives are more spiritual than us. If she's the stronger metal in your home, that's a problem. And you put a load on her God never intended her to bear. I'm to sharpen my wife. I'm to be a stronger metal. I, I, I'm the one that when she comes, I, I, I tell, tell people, I have, I have a couple ladies in our church every now and then, they'll come and they'll ask me a question. I have no problem with that, no problem with that. But if their husband's in the church, I always say this first. I said, ma'am, if you talk to your husband about that, that's what they're supposed to do, right? They're supposed to go to their husband first. He's supposed, and I tell the men in our church, your wife comes to you with a problem and you don't have to know the answer. I don't know a lot of answers. I have to go get answers sometimes. But I go get the answer and I bring it back to my wife. Okay? I'm to be the stronger metal. I'm to be the one that's stronger. So if that's true, then it's very, very important to understand this principle. Because men are the stronger metal... They're supposed to be able to be the leaders in the home. They're supposed to be the pastors in our churches because men are supposed to be able to sharpen other men, other women, and children. We're supposed to be strong enough that we can sharpen every area. My wife's not supposed to be strong enough to sharpen me. She helps me. My wife helps me. I'm telling you, my wife helps me in ministry understand. Hey, are we friends here tonight? Can I just plainly speak? My wife helps me understand women. I don't understand women. Come on, man. 
bunch of cowards. <laughs> Something will happen, and I'll have my view, and I'll have a, I mean, I'm like, this is what has to be done. This is the way it should be. I'm telling you right now, Julie, we'll in the car and ride home. My wife will say, I don't think you're seeing it the way it really is. I'm just like, I saw it just like it happened now. <laughs> I am, hey, listen, I'll tell you, my wife will say, I am so logical, it's, it's terrible. I am so logical. You do something, well, this is the logic of that. This is boom, 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 go. And my wife said, well, they think this or they think that. And I said, well, they're thinking wrong. <laughs> and my wife will usually say, yeah, they might be thinking wrong, but I'm just telling you how they're seeing it, how they're, you know what I'm learning is, okay, hold on. I'm supposed to slow down. My wife helps me, but my wife, my wife not supposed to sharpen me. I'm supposed to sharpen her. I'm supposed to be that stronger. That's why, folks, listen, in the Bible, and again, for sake of time, we won't do this, but if you went back to David, David had a wife called Abigail. The Bible says that she, had a, she was a woman of good understanding. She had, some, she had some wisdom about her. But David later in, 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 in Scripture says, when he hears about Jonathan's death, he says of Jonathan, he said that, that he, he loved Jonathan with a love. Now, listen, please listen. That surpassed women. Now, I'm sickened by the way the world has taken that. I'm sickened by the way our churches have taken that and made that into some type of homosexual thing. That's not what that is. Because if you go back into the other part of First, uh, uh, first Samuel, you will find the time that David is down. David is, is being hunted by Saul, uh, Jonathan's father. And, and David is out here trying to hide. And the Bible says that Jonathan comes and meets him. And the Bible says it strengthens his hand in God. Because now there's two men of strong metal. And they're, they're, they're getting together and they're fellowship and they're talking and it is sharpening one another. Amen. It's working together to make them better. And, and David said, I, I, I need that in my life. I have to have that in my life. I wonder if you, young men, I wonder if the men of this church, who are you around that's sharpening you? Yeah. I have good friends at church. I look for men in, in that, that can help me sharpen areas of my life that I could do better in. 92-year-old man in our church, Earl Bird. Earl Bird is as country as country gets. I mean, I'll tell you right now, uh, uh, he's just down to earth, old time. He's never going to get in the pulpit. He's never going to preach. But he heads up our men's prayer group on Sunday morning. So we meet at church. We have Sunday school at 915. But at 845, the men meet in a room that want to pray and the women meet in a room that want to pray. Well, Earl Bird runs and heads up that. I go in. I sit down. I listen to him. He gets the guys together. They go through whatever requests that we're going to pray for. And usually it's more about just praying for the services that day, praying our hearts are ready to hear from the Lord. But he prays. And, he, and when he prays, listen. How many of us have said this and didn't mean it? Now, don't you lie in church. I'll pray for you, but you didn't pray. Earl Bird, if he says, I'm praying for you, he prays for you. You come to him and you say, I want you to pray for my sister. She's lost. You better be prepared in about a week or two to Earl Bird to come find you and say, hey, I've been praying for your sister. Any news on that? I'm going to tell you what, he sharpens me. Oh, he sharpens me, and he convicts me. By the way, when you're getting sharpened, it doesn't feel the greatest all the time. It's a little hot. There's a little friction. But it sharpens me. 
Tony is my best friend, and I've known Tony for many, many years, and, and, and he's my youth pastor at our church, and, and it really wasn't. I didn't hire him. He was the youth pastor before I took over there, and we had been friends for many, many years, and, 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 and Tony, his, his love for ministry sharpens me. His heart for people, those young people, he could care less if any adult came to church. He wants to see that place filled with teenagers. Amen. I'm telling you. And he invests in them all summer. He takes a van once a week all summer and drives all over that area. Uh, probably a 60 or 70 mile round trip of a loop picking up young men that are in his youth group. Uh, at one day, uh, once a week on, in the summer when they're out of school, when they're in trouble, when they're not doing what they should probably. He picks them up and he takes them and he does a service project for them. Somebody in our church needs some yard work. Somebody in the church needs some. He does that with them. And then they come back to the church and they, he gets them together and two or three of them have to share a devotional and they preach a little bit and then he takes them to lunch and multiple times he and two or three of the other men that work with our young people have paid I don't know how many thousands of dollars out of their own pocket to invest in these young people and their heart to serve. So I go to Earl Bird and I say, Earl, I need you to sharpen me in prayer. I want to be a better prayer warrior. How do I pray better? And Earl Bird helps me. I go to Tony and I say, Tony, give me a little picture of your heart for ministry. How can I have a better heart for people? And boy, it sharpens me. Kyle's a young man in our church, got saved at the age of 14. His dad uh, got a knock on the door from a, a bus worker. He was getting ready to do drugs again. And the bus worker knocked on his door and said, hey, I'm just here to see if your kids would be able to go to church. And, and his dad, Bill, he said to Rodney, he said, Rodney, do you people really believe what y'all say? Is it real? And Ronnie said, yeah, it's real. And went through the gospel with him at that door at his house. Bill uh, accepted Christ as his Savior. He walked back in. His buddy was getting ready to do drugs with him. He grabbed the drugs from his buddy and off the table went to the toilet and flushed them. His buddy freaking out. And the guy said, what's going on? Bill said, I don't do drugs anymore. I just got saved. Amen. <laughs> Bill tells me the story later. He said, the guy looked at me and said, I didn't get saved. <laughs> But Kyle, his son, 13, 14 years old, came, started to come into church, got under conviction upstairs. One of our young men, a teenage boy, 16-year-old teenage boy, that during a teen service, they, he came, Kyle came and said, I need to get saved. 16-year-old Jimmy DePew took him out and they and led him to Christ. And Kyle has developed a love for God and God's Word that, that surpassed. I, I cannot, if I need somebody, Kyle, teach me how to love God's Word. How can I love to read more, study more? How do you do this? How does it? And it sharpens me. He's a whole lot younger than me. But he sharpens me. Who sharpens you? Who sharpens you? Last verse, chapter 27. Verse 6. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. But the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. That file that runs across that knife and sharpens that blade, taking just small shavings off at a time. Just small shavings off at a time. And so it is with a true friend that corrects and instructs and rebukes and warns. 
And there's sometimes a little heat and sometimes there's that little friction. But I'm going to ask you something. How willing are you to take some criticism? And I've said as a pastor on the side of a desk and I've sat in my chair of authority as the leader of our church and I've listened to a man on the other side that I want to sharpen me in these different areas and I've taken gentle rebuke. And I'll say to him, I say, I want you to look at my life right now. You're my friend. Look at my life. What, 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 what can I do better? What should I do better? And they're all hesitant. Nobody wants to correct pastor. They're good guys. They love me. And I'll say, honestly, I'd like, I want to be a best Christian I can be. I want to be better than I am. Would you help me? Just help me. Tell me something. And they'll say, well, pastor, he said, I, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. I said, I, I want to get a little sharper. Can you help me? And they'll say something. And you know what the first reaction of everybody in this room, including this pastor, is? Ah. What? Oh, yeah? Well, let me give you a few things you should work on. <laughs> And they look at me like, now you asked. <laughs> and they're just taking a little shaving, a little shaving. But I take their advice and I go back and I get into the word of God and I come out of them and say, you know what? I could do better than that. That sharpens me. Iron sharpeneth iron. So a friend. The countenance of his friend. If you've got the wrong kind of friends... You're in trouble. And I know we preach this many times and people always think this is for the younger crowd. I, I, I'm, the way things are now in this old world, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I don't want to preach about social media. I don't want to do that, but I hate that stuff. I just do. I've watched too many marriages be destroyed by it. I've watched too many people in church go home and get on social media with their friends. So you can be young and have the wrong friends and it's going to lead you down the wrong path. You can be old and hang out with the wrong friends and they affect your thinking and how you think. Oh, I'll tell you who. I like talking to so-and-so. Why do you like talking to so-and-so? Because we both gripe together. We just complain about our husbands all day long. Is my wife on that group? I just need to know if that's. No, but we, you, you, your friends are going to sharpen you or they're going to dull you. I'm done with this thought. You know, you can take a knife and a knife is you can start with it and you can just start cutting single pieces of paper. And for the longest time, it'll just slice and slice and slice. But after a while, that knife, who is a lot harder metal than paper, will eventually dull to the point that you can't cut through a piece of paper with it. You know what the knife needs? Something stronger than it to keep it sharp. What kind of friends you got? Are you sharpening anyone or are you dulling them? When somebody comes and they have a need or concern, do you take them to the Bible? Do you sharpen them in Christ? Or, or do you jump on and it just two things rubbing against each other, just dulling each other out? Iron sharpeneth iron. So a man. The countenance of a friend. Father, thank you for the word of God. This, this always reminds me of the importance of good friendships. And I need it. Oh, I need, I, I want those little things in my life that maybe, maybe even big things, Father. But some people see I can't.
Well, we're blind so many times to ourselves. And we need the help of the Word of God and good godly friends to sharpen us. And Lord, I, I'm grateful. I, I, I thought today of Earl Bird in prayer this morning and, and the men that would be led by him. And what an encouragement to know that Earl would be there praying. Prayed for me this morning, I know. Thank you for him. Thank you for Tony and his passion for ministry, his heart for others. Kyle, his love for the Word of God and how it's helped me and, and drawn me closer and stronger. I've got so many things that I need to be better. I need good friends. Lord, I don't know the congregation here. You do. I don't know the friends they have. You do. I don't know what kind of friends they are. You do. Would you help them to pick right friends? And would you help us to be the right kind of friends? Would you please bless the invitation in Jesus' name? Would you stand? Your heads are bowed. Your eyes are closed.